Hey guys, you're listening to the Tasha Labs podcast, and I know I haven't posted an episode for a very long time. And thanks for those of you who messaged me and asking, "Hey Tasha, when are you going to post your next episode?" Uh, the thing is, frankly speaking, I haven't found anything worthwhile to talk about much for quite some time <laughs> in the crypto Web three space because. If you haven't noticed, you know, just in terms of market price action, it really hasn't done all that much ever since I would say, you know, three, four months ago, right? So, meanwhile, the equity market, at least the U.S. equity market, which is the one that I follow for the most part, has been having a ball. Um, so, if you look at the price action. Nasdaq, for example, since April, it's gone up for like 20%, 15% at least. And the crypto market basically is not doing anything, right? So um, so that's that's really, you know, the the primary reason of why I haven't been posting is just uh um the market hasn't been all that interesting. So as a result, my interest has shifted elsewhere. I've been having a good time in the equity market uh, in the recent months, though right now it's kind of uh, taking a bit of a rest. We probably get some sort of correction um, in the next uh, in the next couple months, maybe. But, you know, it's been a while. I figure I will do a sort of a I will do a update type of uh, episode. Um, because there are still even even though it's a pretty quiet time for Web three, we have a couple of things going on, right? In ter- especially in terms of uh, some some of the recent development in Web three regulations, um, in crypto regulations. Though I know sometimes you know when people hear oh regulations come on, want me to sleep already. So um, but the thing is, I think. A lot of people, especially if you are the so-called crypto native, you don't realize how important the regulation is actually for the survival and expansion of this this of this space, which I want to talk about more um, today. So I want to cover a few things today. Basically, I want to talk about uh, number one, some market recap, right? To see what happened over the past couple months, and secondly, I want to talk about regulations, right? Um, I have very strong opinions about Web3 regulations, um, you know, and I, I think if if uh, I think if if uh, people are smart, they would agree with me, whether um, you no, no matter what your act, attitude about government is. So we can talk about that. And this, thirdly, I want to talk about, um, you know, um, some of the things I've been seeing or not seeing in in terms of the new projects or Web3 innovations that are coming out. Um, even though, you know, like I think understandably, this is not the best time for uh, the builders in the Web3 space, right? It's harder to raise money, it's harder to get customers and everything, and it's harder to get eyeballs. But still, you know, there's some, there are certain things in in the in the web3 innovation space quote unquote that i find a bit of a concerning okay so um maybe i'm thinking too much possible okay but it could have some longer term impact for the space so i want to talk about that as well so uh let's get right into it first of all mm-hmm, the market right so let's look at what happened over the last couple months, or last, uh, I would say, two, three months, maybe. Um, I will try to share my screen here, okay? Again, um, it's not really necessary to look at the screen. So if you are listening to this on audio, that is not a problem at all, okay? So I will try to be descriptive. So, But if you look at, so this is like a total crypto market cap, right? over the past uh since since the beginning of the year and you can see like in the beginning of the year we had a sort of a mini bull run and then it just tapered off and then march we had a few days of run 
that was when the U.S. banking crisis broke out. The so-called banking crisis, it turned out not to be, right? But uh, when the news broke out, everybody, like um, the uh, the Bitcoin people all got very excited, right? Oh, U.S., like financial system is collapsing. Like it's, you know, uh, the, the alternative financial system going to take over, right? So, um, so that was the narrative at the time. So that, you know, we had a little bit of a bull run, but since then, you know, April to now, if you compare, if we add like NASDAQ here, it really hasn't done, um, let's see, it really hasn't done much at all. If we look at since the beginning of April, NASDAQ went up 21%, okay? Um, S&P, I don't know, some like a S&P will be less than 20%, but maybe, but but still it like a pretty substantial, right? Um, well, let's just put S&P back there. So SPY, uh, why is this showing? No, this is not the right number. Okay. S&P went up like 12%, basically. Okay. Um, crypto market overall did basically flat. Okay. So basically nothing. So even though I'm looking at this as like total crypto market cap, but really most of it is, as you understand, I'm sure, is Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? That's like 70% of the crypto market cap or those two adding together. And also, um, we also have a big chunk which comes from the US dollar stablecoin, which is the Tether and USDC, right? So the rest are, um, you know, pretty small. So this is, even though I'm not showing specific coin, this is actually just a, um, pretty much dominated by, um, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? So let me take these, uh, these NASDAQ thing away. So, but, but then, you know, it raises uh, the interesting question, right? Why hasn't, why hasn't the market uh, done anything at all? We had this, uh, we had this one day wonder <laughs> in like uh, um, July, July 13th, um, because of the ruling for XRP, the US uh, district um, judge from New York, ruled in favor uh, in their lawsuit against uh, SEC, right? So, but that did only, you know, basically the market went up for a day, which is curious, you know, you you assume, I, I never assumed that kind of thing to be any kind of long-term catalyst, but at least I thought <laughs> it would be more than one day, right? And then it turns out to be just a one day fair, okay? So um, it gives you, I mean, if, if you look at this type of thing, it gives you information, right, about the supply demand dynamics of the market. It tells you that, at least to me, okay, when you see a pretty, um, at least a short-term bullish kind of uh, catalyst, short-term bullish event that is supposed to have wider implication for the whole space, but it you know, ended up not doing much of anything at all. It sent, it gives you a message, right? It What it tells me is that the underlying fundamental of the market is just not that strong. So right now it's basically doing, it's, it's, it's very flat, right? So um, it's hard for the thing to go down much because, you know, Number one, the macro, I think in the macro space or liquidity conditions is not really bad, despite the fact that the Federal Reserve continue to raise and continue to shrink their balance sheet. But if you look at the balance sheet, it's still huge, right? 80%, 90%, at least 80% higher compared to pre-pandemic. Um, and uh, other central banks are also starting to ease as well, such as, you know, from China, Um and, and 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 so on. So liquidity condition is not bad. And uh um you know at this stage, especially you know e even though the correlation between crypto and uh um US equities has been sort of broken in the past uh three or four months, right? We can we I, I will I will talk about that in, in a second. But still you know, given like the equity market is performing so well, it's telling you that the risk appetite in the market is not really weak, right? So I'm not really um, looking, <laughs> I'm not really 
uh, expecting this market to go down all that much, right? We had a uh, the worst was uh, was uh, back in November of last year. So if if the market drops significantly from here right now, we are having basically some sort of uh, contraction in volatility, right? If you um, if we have a drop, some sort of uh, uh, like a more significant drop from here, you will have, I expect a bunch of dip buyers who just step in, right? So I, you know, it's 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 harder for me to see the thing to drop all that much. But at the same time, you know, uh, do I see anything like on the horizon that will immediately cause the market to have a bull run? Uh, you know, I'm not seeing that either. And we can talk about that. Well, I will talk about that in a minute also. So, but the curious thing is, you know, why, <laughs> why this uh, this uh, linkage between um, this correlation between equity and the crypto market has been pretty much absent in the past few months. If you if you look at uh, the performance of U.S. equities, which is that was a bull run initially led by. All the AI stocks, right? The Nvidia, the you know, uh, Broadcom, um, that kind of thing, and and also a bunch of uh, smaller cap, shitty AI related stocks that basically completely run on narratives. It was initially it was because of AI, right? And that was a very legit um, catalyst um, because in you know. In, in future years, this is going to have huge implications of, you know, productivity growth of society. It's going to be a really a, a one level up of the productivity growth, um, especially for the advanced economies, I think. Okay. So that was a legit catalyst. And also on the basis that the macro environment really has been stabilized and uh, the monetary tightening has been decelerating and the liquidity conditions is not really bad. So, you know, all these factors together, you have a legit catalyst that really was the cause, um, at least uh, it's like a one major cause of the bull run in the past few months for U.S. equities, right? And then once that started, you got other sectors joining in, um, at least for a little bit, right? You have because also um, you you had other um, bullish factors as well. The fact that you had a semi-banking regional bank crisis in March, but that turned out turned out to be not so much of a crisis because uh, government stepped in, so on and so forth. So you had, but those those stocks really got sold off pretty hard um, back in March, March, April, right? So those came back. Um, that caused a little bit of a bull run in the mainstream <laughs> sector, main street, main street sectors, uh, such as like regional banks, which is like a huge component of uh, the small cap index in the US, right? So all these factors together, um, you had both of a bull run in NASDAQ and in um, S&P as well, uh, mostly in tech stocks, um, large caps, because those are the companies that are driving the push for um, AI innovation and uh, research and development, because they have the money, they have the data, um, they have the data feed required for, you know, doing that kind of uh, um you know, uh, that kind of uh, um, deep learning pro programs, running that kind of programs, you need a huge data set, right? So large companies like Meta, like Google, they have the large data set and they have the capital and human resources to run these programs. So um, to develop these programs. So it's really um, initially the past few months have been a large cap tech driven stock rally, right? The thing is, why why hasn't it sort of spilled over to crypto? I find it um, I find it curious because you know one of the narratives during the bull market was like this increasing correlation between the equity and the crypto market, and one of the reasons that I think several like researchers um, identified 
is that you more and more as as the crypto and Web three, um, as a investment segment as a investment product goes more and more mainstream, you have more institutional adoption, right? So as institutional players step in, you have more and more of the same bunch of buyers, uh, both in the traditional risk asset space like equities and in crypto. So that is causing the increased correlation because you have the same bunch of people in the two markets. So originally, back in the days, a few years back, when crypto was pretty much a fringe thing, right? Only weird people touch it, or weird people who call them visionaries. Um, <laughs> at the time, it was like most of the um, most of the investors that actually have money, have large capital to deploy, they wouldn't even think about crypto, right? But as the thing goes mainstream, then you have higher and higher correlation with risk assets. So given that, <laughs> keep in mind, that is a driving factor of the increasing correlation between crypto and uh, mainstream equities, right? So given that, now you know that that's causing the increasing correlation in the past couple years. Now, if now you see the decreasing correlation, what does it tell you? <laughs> I think the answer is pretty straightforward, right? It's because um, I think the natural lo lo logical hypothesis that you can deduce is that institutional investors have left the room. <laughs> so um, that is, uh, you know, that 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 is uh, my educated guess. Okay, I haven't looked at the data. I, I have some of this uh, institutional uh, participation data, um, but I haven't looked at it for the past uh, three months or so for this period when the market is pretty flat. But it's actually, I would argue that you actually don't need that data to actually see this because um, if you look at, um, let's go back to, uh, let's let's pull this chart on the monthly time frame. So. So we can look at this more clearly, okay? So um, let, let let me take these uh, these uh, uh, moving averages away because we really don't need those. Um, but you you really, if you want to see like a larger play, presence of larger pr players, um, just from the market data, you can arguably easily detect those presence just from the transaction volumes. <laughs> because you know um we are on so this is again this is a chart of total market cap right but i think the trading view they have their own com uh, compilation of uh, how much trading volume there is so at the peak of the bull run let's say uh november 2021 what's the volume there we have three billion no what is uh uh 227 billion on the monthly basis, okay? This is the crypto, overall crypto market volume that they computed. This is the, these these bars down here, okay? Um, and, but you look at it now. So so at, at that time, you know, this this is much higher. At the end of the, the bull run, you see like the 200, when, when the market was doing like 200 uh, something billion volume, that was, um, uh, more than double the volume before COVID, okay, and and also these are these are not dollar terms, okay. When I'm talking about volume, it's just uh, denominated in tokens, okay. It's not denominated in dollars. So this is um this is not affected by the price change, okay, by the dollar price change of of tokens. So. If you look at back in like uh, I don't know beginning of uh, January 2020, how much is that? How much is that volume? January 2020, we did like a 59, 59 billion volumes. That is like a, a quarter of uh, of of the volume that we did. The market did by the end of uh, 2021, right? So. This like increasing volume, it, it tells you, and this substantial increase in volume, it tells you that like uh, there, there, there is a different type of players 
uh, being present in the market, right? Well, you can argue how good quality of this data is because the crypto data is notoriously bad because all the exchanges trying to, uh, <laughs> all the exchanges basically spewed out a bunch of fake, fake data. I'm not saying all of the exchanges, but some exchanges would, you know, doing like wash trading and, and whatnot to boost their transaction volume data. So you can argue, okay, this volume data is not really 100% reliable, but you can also argue, okay, if it's not reliable, it should be always not reliable, right? So we are comparing bad with bad, <laughs> but we still see a very distinct directional change in the volume profile that tells you something, right? So even if this is bad data, so it, but if you look at like a big, like a starting, like uh, um, in starting 2022 and the bear market started, the vet volume just tapers off, right? So basically, you know, right now we are back to the volume back to January, February, 2020 level. Okay. So back to before the, all this, uh, um, institutional involvement narrative started playing out during the last bull market, okay? So if you want to look at, um, I think if you want to look at Ethereum, the uh, volume profile, it's even more telling. Though here in this particular platform, this is probably not as reliable because, um, because you can also, you can only look at the volume profile for each of the exchanges. But let's look at the Coinbase volume, okay? Coinbase, because, uh, you know, I, I think at least the data quality wise, I would trust them more than some other exchanges data posted by the exchanges themselves, okay? But it, it, even like in, in Ethereum, this one, I think you can see also very obviously like a volume right now, okay? Since 2023, it was like, even lower compared to the end of 2022. And we are back at the level of 2019, okay? In terms of trading volume. So what I'm saying is, um, <laughs> if we are trying to answer this question, why crypto hasn't rallied as you know much despite this you know hard bull run in the US equity market recently, um, you can, I, I think one, at least to me, the primary explanation would be um, the institutional investors, they have left the room, okay? So you basically, you really, you, 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 you don't have the big money pushing the market right now. That would be my explanation um, for why <laughs> we are not having a bull run in crypto despite, um, the various things that we just, that we talked about, okay? Um, <laughs> so, but, so, so, so the thing is, and, and also um, there is also reason for that. Why, why, so if that's true, if some of these institutional investors, they have, at least for now, okay, um, stopped being involved or at least uh, reduced exposure to the market. Um, it's also quite reasonable, right? It's uh, quite understandable because you have the market caps of the market has dropped a whole bunch, right? So you don't want to, you really, you don't want to, if you're a big fish, you don't want to be the only big fish in a small pile. It will be very hard for you to m maneuver, right? So it's like for many institutional players, it, you really have to have a certain, the, mar the market really has to grow to a certain size for you to have a meaningful presence, right? And if you cannot devote meaningful amount of money, deploy a meaningful amount of money, why do it at all? It's like a huge transaction cost to manage um, this additional thing, right? So um, so if you want, so so those those people, those people would, you know, for sure come back if if uh, if the market recovers to uh, some like a previous benchmarks, okay? So, but then the question is, what will make the market come back, right? So, <laughs> which, uh, which uh, you know, um, leads to the next thing that I want to talk about is regulations. Um, so 
so so so the hot topic for uh you know a few weeks back is the uh, ripple ruling right so the u.s uh, district judge basically said um the uh, ripples uh ripple selling of the xrp token uh through uh public exchanges uh centralized exchanges should not be counted as selling unregistered securities because the buyers really cannot distinguish whether they're buying from on the secondary market from other XRP holders or from the company itself. Um, as opposed to in the case when Ripple was selling to institutional investors in private sales, um, then those institutionally larger investors, they definitely know that they were buying from Ripple and they know that Ripple um, is uh, is 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 an enterprise that is going to make an effort <laughs> to expand its business and that effort will be good for the XRP token price. So that's the logic, okay? So in in that sense, her opinion is that um, because of these things, all right, because of these specific settings of how these tokens are being sold, uh, one scenario is qualified as selling securities. And there's a definition of securities in the U.S. according to the Howey test, um, you know, and so on. I don't want to repeat that here. You can, you know, I, I, I'm i sure most of you know this already, but if you don't, just go Google it, Howey test, and or ask ChatGPT, okay? <laughs> uh, but the thing is, um, you know, to me, honestly, I found, I found that reasoning a little bit odd, okay? I, I found that odd because... Um, you know, I I'm not a legal professional. I don't I don't speak that in terms of like how do you read the law, okay? But what I look at is like what would be the implication for this, okay? So if you're saying, okay, so if your company you're selling this token, but if you're selling through an exchange, so the buyers don't really can really tell who they're buying from, therefore it's not a security, then shouldn't every company be able to do this? Okay, I can just like tomorrow, I create a Tasha token, I go to Coinbase, I say, hey, guys, let me like, uh, can you let me sell this token to your users, but just don't tell your users who they're buying this from, right? Just make it look like this is like they're buying from other pure users on Coinbase, so that I won't be qualified as security. So so that I don't have to file anything. I don't have to register with SEC. I don't have to pay all the lawyer fees and <laughs> uh, like comply with all these uh, disclosure requirement and everything, all the other nine yards, which is a nightmare. Okay, and so 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 for you, so so for you to for for me to do this with you, I will give you a percentage of the sales. How about that? Okay, as long as you don't tell your users who I am, who they are buying from. So if every company can do this, <laughs> then what is the securities law for? Okay, every shitty company just go, go fundraising, go like, um, uh, in the public market with uh with with no restriction at all. So, you know, if you ask me, is this a good application of the law? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so but obviously. It is, but but de facto, this is a bullish news for the crypto market, right? For because for a bunch of tokens, because there is no regulatory certainty in the in the U.S., which is a huge problem. And then, um, but the thing is that, but but the thing is, I, I what I find useful in that ruling is that for the first time, some judge actually said, "Hey, this one token." Can be counted as security in this one setting, but it doesn't have to be counted in as a security in some other setting. So you have to, as a regulator, you have to look at this thing across different settings. So that is the part I find most interesting. That is the part I find actually a little bit revolutionary because previously, you know, what the regulators always tell you is, okay, this thing is a security. And if it's a security, it's always a security, 
Okay. Because if you, because that, that actually, you can make that distinction very clearly with traditional financial instruments like equities and bonds and, you know, the, those kind of things, because that instrument only has basically one purpose, right? As, as if, if it's a equity, then the holders, the buyers of that thing has a residual claim on the company's bottom line, right? So that has a very straightforward purpose, but it doesn't really apply to tokens though, because the tokens is, to me, it's like a general purpose technology, the digital token. You can you can make it a security if you want. You can make you can make it to represent a equity stake in a company in a project or, or not, and you can also make it some other things. You can make it a utility token that you give give people out like airline miles with liquidity, right? But it's like customers need to earn it. It's like a kickback to for customers, some marketing incentive, or you can use it as you know some kind of online platforms in platform currency, you have to use the token to buy and sell stuff, right? So in any case, it provides a lot more opportunities, a lot more other formats to represent and uh, trans and to represent and transfer economic values in the digital space. So to me, that is like a huge difference between tokens and traditional financial instruments because token is not really one particular financial instrument, though it can be used as a financial instrument if you designate, designate that particular use case to that token, right? So um, I think that line of reasoning actually holds water. And I think that is the part that, you know, at least uh, she, she, this year, she got this conversation started, right? You no, know, she, she's proposing, you need to look at tokens in terms of context. In what setting, what use case are the tokens being used for and being applied, right? So that part, I totally agree. And I think that's that's the part regulators should look into, though that would be a lot more, make their job a lot more complicated. Yeah. But this particular reasoning of, for this particular ruling of why she said she justified why XRP selling tokens over centralized exchanges is not selling security, I, that part, to be honest, I just don't buy it. Okay, and <laughs> some you know you you if you read the news um, last uh, this past week some other district judge uh, who was involved in the Terra case came out and saying came out saying he he didn't agree with with that New York judge's uh, ruling he he couldn't no that that ruling he he would not be able to overrule that obviously but. You know, at least that, that that tells you plenty of people, at least in her, in the judge's own profession still, they don't agree, right? So, but the thing is, but the thing is that really, um, th this is the unfortunate thing though, is like the regulators right now, at least in the US, which is the part I carry, okay? I, I, I only, you know, you, you can, some, some people will say, oh, Crypto is a global thing. It's not just the US. It's, you know, it's Asia, it's Europe, it's Africa, it's Middle East. Okay, fine. But the thing is, most of the projects that got traction came out of the United States. Okay. And most of the early stage investments in Web3 came out of the United States. And the United States has a large section of the crypto user base. Okay. So really what the regulators do in this country matter a whole lot, even though crypto, you can say it's global and all the other regulators from smaller countries, they will, you know, take inspirations at least, if not direct influence, okay, from what, from, from the approach and the thinking of what the regulators are doing in this country. So that's why I find it quite unfortunate that we just right now don't have a regulation specifically applied to digital tokens. And this securities law of 1933 that the SEC has been using, has been citing as, you know, um, <laughs> as their tool to regulate the digital token space. It's, it's, it's really not adequate because like we just said, 
the tokens are multi-purpose, right? It depends on what, what you can use this for. So one day that there is no clear regulation to say what you can use the token for and what you should not be used the token for, or if you want to use the token in this context, you need to do A, B, and C. We need that kind of thing, okay? One day we don't have that kind of thing, that is a drag. That That is a drag on the development of the space. And specifically, you know, so I specifically for, so, so because, and, and also this is a space to me, urgently, urgently need to be regulated, <laughs> okay? I know like the early adopters of crypto is like, if not anarchists are at least like extreme liberals, right? That's that's the uh, mindshare group of how crypto started. Um, but the thing is, this without regulation, you 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 let people like do, <laughs> you let people play with digital money, and uh, you you know people like can invent digital money out of thin air. That kind of thing, and also it's like such an early industry. It 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 creates so much fraud and so much crap for the entire space that it just increases transaction costs for everybody. Okay, for the builders, for the users, for investors, for everybody. So the fact that this like there's so little regulation in this space is I think hugely responsible for the fact that there are there's so much like negative brand equity accumulated in the Web3 space associated with things like NFT with with DeFi and, and, and so on. Um because of bad players. Because people are not because there's no rules for follow, so people think they can do whatever they want. So um you know, all the negative media attention, all the, you know, negative perceptions like people have associated with the space, you know, it's, there is a reason for it, right? And if that reason, if there's no, if, if we continue, don't have regulation to eliminate those reasons, at least, if not completely eliminate, at least reduce the impact of those reasons. It's gonna have a you know a, a long-term very negative impact on the space, I think. Okay. And 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 particularly given the fact that I think I mentioned this in previous episodes, okay. The the concept of Web3, the concept of like borderless transaction network, of tokenization, of value, of you know, um uh, frictionless exchange of values across borders. It doesn't have to go through a central authority. Those concepts do not need to be implemented, do not necessarily have to be implemented through the existing blockchain infrastructure at all. It doesn't need Ethereum, it doesn't need Solana, it doesn't need any of the layer one, layer two, layer three, whatever, to actually be implemented, right? And the centralized players in finance in international you know like um in international finance in traditional banking sector they are sort of like exploring these concepts right they are coming up with their own sort of taking your idea kind of solutions but given but 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 to give it a centralized spin you know maybe you have to you know still um comply with the uh you know, older protocols, existing way of doing things such as having KYC and so on. But it's totally possible to take these concepts, but to be applied in a different set of infrastructure. If this set of infrastructure does not gain mainstream adoption because of the negative reputation. So to me, the lack of re re regulation in this space is actually, you know, at some point it will become sort of a survival risk, seriously, for the space. 
where I'm talking about not the concept of tokenization, but those Web3 concepts as a, being implemented by the current Web3 infrastructure as we know it. Okay. So um, if you're listening to this and you have any kind of connection or influence with any kind of regulatory body, if you work for a crypto exchange and you know you deal with regulators, I think any smart exchange, anybody that has resources in the space should be totally, full-heartedly pushing for regulation hard. Uh, if if they are, if they're smart, if they're concerned about this 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 sector's long-term prosperity, and the regulations should be able to specify what the token should be, what the token is a, it can can be allowed to be used for. Okay. So it needs to be a differentiation between tokens and traditional equities or any kind of fundraising tool, fundraising instruments used by companies to, to just uh, get money from investors. Okay, because we have those tools already. They're, they're called equities and debt. Okay? We don't need something else to get that part, to, to get that job done. Okay. The, re the the fact that people are using tokens to fulfill those functions that existing tools can actually fulfill, but they're using tokens just because easier, less friction because less regulation, which is totally a short-term thing, is not good for this space. Okay. So to me, for this space to have long-term sustainability, tokenization need to have new use cases that are different, completely different from a fundraising tool for companies. Otherwise, you have no legit argument to say this thing doesn't have to be a security, right? If it's just a fundraising tool, if you're just like selling tokens, you know, that's what like most of, like a lot of like Web3 companies did, whether they call them companies or not, call themselves companies or not. Join, join the bull market because the secondary market is is essentially the financier, right? So the issuer of the token is essentially telling the buyers, here, go take our tokens. We don't know what these things are good for because we don't want to be responsible for them. They're not equities because we're definitely not giving you a share of the company. <laughs> and also we cannot do that because we don't want to be classified as security. So we prefer to remain agnostic and we have no idea what these tokens are good for, but you can take them and you can go gamble on secondary market. That's what they, they, everybody was basically saying, all the token issuers during the bull market, right? But that's not gonna fly in the long term because that, that trick you can play for one or two seasons. You can play, you cannot play like indefinitely, right? So, and secondary market will be, will be your financier. <laughs> So essentially, the, the the company issued the tokens. They took they took the money they used for their development, but not much come came out of it, right? But for the most part, but the thing is, secondary market become the essentially became the financier of the Web three innovations, right? So, but but the thing is, this 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 is related to the third thing I want to touch touch on today, which is the types of web3 innovations that we've been seeing secondary market we only will only be able to do that we'll only be willing to do that you'll get enough suckers to buy into that dream <laughs> if web3 continues to push out new things that can catch people's attention that can catch people's imagination right so that would that would take some work right and you can only write you can only create so many um, profile picture NFT project um, without tiring people out, right? If you if, if you create like the, the number 2015 uh, NFT profile picture that has a monkey on it, nobody's gonna care anymore, right? That that's that's no longer a catalyst, no longer a news to get the market excited, to get you know the the, the market to be willing to finance you. <laughs> So um, 
that so so that's not gonna fly in the long term. So so the long term survival of the sector will need to come from continued new innovation that's coming out from the sector that gains traction, that gains adoption, right? So if you look at that's that's actually for the most part that's how that's how market works, right? What what would be the things that trigger prices to go up? Now at the beginning of like I, I think with like uh, in the first five minutes of this episode, we went through some events that pushed the price higher for this year, right? So we got some news of banking crisis and that like kind of uh, got people excited about alternative financial system for a minute. So crypto price went up. <laughs> and then we had um, some like regulation, uh, re regulation news related to XRP. That was also, you know, good news for, for the space. So that was like a short-term catalyst that pushed the price up for a couple of days. Okay. Now XRP is back to, I think that, that XRP went up for a day for how much? Um, XRP went up like a single day for like uh, over 70, 80%. Now it's, it's already, you know, given up half of that gain already. Okay. So that basically market is saying this catalyst is uh <laughs> we are not we're no longer interested. <laughs> so what kind of so what kind of catalyst will get people to get the market to be more of a long-term interest, right? Um is the kind of things that comes from within the sector, within the space. Um you know, that, for for example, the we talked about earlier, the um, the 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 equity market that went up this year. What was the reason? Because of AI, right? That was the, like the the technology breakthrough, not a technology breakthrough, but technology breakthrough happened earlier. But what we've seen in the past few months is like adoption breakthrough, right? So people start, the market start to see clearly, oh, this thing got traction. This thing got a lot of, this website, got ChatGBT website, got a lot of visitors, got a lot of users overnight and generated so much hype and it has huge implications for the future, you know, um, implications for, for how people work in the future um, for so many industries, right? So, and 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 that's a big thing because it has like such a widespread implication, not just in the semiconductor industry, but in the all the everything else. Can, like um, so, but so so, what we need in Web three is essentially that kind of catalyst. But am I seeing that kind of catalyst right now? You know, no, not really. So, um, the. Which brings me to this to the number three thing that I want to talk about today is if you look at a lot of the so-called Web3 innovations, okay, uh, what I'm seeing, and it's not just happening today, it's it's been the case for the past few years also, right? Um, it's like a lot of these so-called innovations are basically financial engineering games, okay? So you have a yield aggregator that packaging everybody's yields together, for example, um, or you have like a staking, but let's let, let's do some variations on staking to get people higher yields by taking on more risk, essentially, or basic, or somehow we diversify the risk um, to get the same yield, but presumably safer, okay? That kind of deal, essentially doing the mortgage, mortgage, mortgage-backed security type of innovations in crypto. And I'm not saying that type of innovation is not needed, right? So you, <laughs> it is, it is, it is needed. You have, uh, it is useful to have more instruments for pe available for people to invest in, depending on people's risk appetite. But the thing is, it cannot be so one-sided, right? You cannot be say you have you you cannot have so many 
financial engineering type of innovations to get people higher yields when you don't have anything that produces yields in the first place, aside from printing tokens out of thin air. Okay. So what I'm not seeing that the space has made much progress on is really the, the kind of use cases that can connect tokenization with the real world, quote unquote, real world, okay? Whether it's from using tokenization as a representation of traditional um, financial instruments or at using tokenization as some kind of utility token tool to, to track people's contribution to the company, to track the customer's spending, track customer loyalty. Um, so that those will be the areas that those those will be the type of use cases we will need to see more of in order for the financial engineering type of innovation to actually do something okay and and also the other type is aside, aside from financial engineering the the other type of, in, of innovation you're seeing is like infrastructure Right, we have another chain. We have another layer one, layer two, so on and so forth. But the thing is, you so either infrastructure or financial engineering. Those those are the two major types of innovation that you are seeing in the Web three space. What what to me this is like just we are in a very unbalanced space, uh, unbalanced place, because you do not have underlying use cases. At least those are developing. I'm not saying. I haven't seen them at all. I I have, and I, you know, helped with some, and participate, like invested in some. But the thing is, those are so much underdeveloped compared to the attention and the builder interest that you get in these other things, either infrastructure, for the blockchain, or the financial engineering gimmick type of thing. Okay, so. There is a reason for that because you you have like most of the people in this space, they're either, you know, block, blockchain technologist or they have some finance background and they happen to got interested in this crypto thing. So they were like, uh, you know, borrowing a bunch of, uh, you know, traditional finance, financial innovation concept into they're trying to port over to the space. But <laughs> that that's the thing. It's like, uh, um. If you if you look at a lot of uh, like uh, how a how a sector how a concept a technology can keep growing can keep innovating, it oftentimes you know at certain stage you need to have outsiders you need to have people with a different mindset to come into the space and bring some bring things and perspectives and uh, potential use cases a new type of imagination that people that were OGs so-called in the space didn't have, okay? So I'm just not seeing that right now. I don't know when that's gonna be happening or if or when and how, <laughs> but you know, um, that I, I, I would say it's, it's something that worries me a little, okay, about this space. Um, it's just that I, I don't, I'm not seeing a kind of balanced, um, you know, innovation, um, in, in, in this space. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit, you, you know, when you don't really have use cases on chain use cases for tokenization and, and, and stuff, and all you're developing is like a financial engineering, uh, to me, that is like the cart is way ahead of the horse, essentially, right now. So, um, so, but the bottom line is for some, any kind of like a longer duration, longer lasting bull market, okay, you need a catalyst and you need a catalyst that has leg. It cannot be just, okay, a judge says, says something, but, you know, as you see that uh, you, you already, so in the, you know, we, we, we discussed this, that was like a very short term, like a one day wonder type of catalyst, right? Um, 
And you, you also, you cannot count on the tra traditional financial system to collapse. <laughs> that would be a catalyst and that would be a pretty big catalyst, but I, I think the probability of that happening is, is, is quite small, okay? Um, regardless of what you, you see a bunch of, you know, crypto uh, influencers on Twitter, they will tell you all day long how bad the U.S. dollar is. Uh, U.S. dollar is uh, near death and, uh, and the government is so corrupt and everything is about to collapse. You know, <laughs> um, those kind of thing, uh, you, I, I think you... <laughs> To me, that is a very, very small probability event. And people saying that because they have a very tangible interest tied into, um, you know, tied into whatever they're whatever they believe in. And that's a kind of a it's a kind of a complicated thing, right? I cannot just say I cannot say those people are saying what they're saying because they have a they have a vested interest in token price going up. I cannot say that because obviously at some level they deeply believed what they believed. That's why that that's that that's how they got into crypto and they started to have a vested interest in the space in the at at the at in the first place, right? So what's the chicken and what's the egg? It's very hard to say. But at some point, you know, once you have a vested interest in something it kind of reinforces your beliefs in it. That part, I know for sure. It's just a human nature. It, it works. That That's that's the thing that works on almost everybody. Okay. Once you have a vested interest in something, it's very, it's it's it becomes harder and harder for you to stay neutral, right? <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, my mother thinks I'm the greatest in the world because what can I say? She made me, right? So she cannot be neutral anymore. Same deal. So um so 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 but the thing is, um the catalyst that we need for kind of a more of a sustainable bull market to bull market to me that really requires a kind of innovation in the web three space that is more related to the real world use cases that can have the potential to have some kind of, you know, mainstream adoption. And for that to happen, you 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 need you need a different type of innovators in the space and you need a certain level of regula regulatory certainty, which you know goes back to the second thing that we talked about today. So um I think that's I think that's pretty much um what I want to cover today. Uh, someone asked me to, uh, funny enough, uh, someone asked me to talk about this new, um, this new semiconductor thing. What is, uh, what is it called? Uh, uh, this, this, uh, um, this thing that's re recently going viral, right? In the past uh, couple of weeks, um, that has something to do with this uh, room temperature ma semiconductor material. Um, what's it called again? Uh, I'm, you know, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. So LK99, okay. <laughs> LK99, so this magic material. So, but this is actually a good example of what I mean by, you know, for 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 something to go up, you know, for for something to have a bull market, you need some kind of catalyst, right? So this is actually a good example of the catalyst. Um, so how how lasting this catalyst is for the superconductor industry, if there is a saying, if there is uh, such a thing, that's that's very hard to say. So because uh, you know, nobody knows how real this thing is. I, 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 at least I don't know. Okay, but I'm just telling you as a example of a catalyst. Um, once this news, once this thing start going viral on social media and all, and it had like uh, articles, news articles in all the major publications, like I think, um, 
Washington Post, New York Times, Wired Magazine, um, I don't know, a bunch of uh, bunch of publications. This uh, <laughs> the funny thing is uh, this company called uh, uh, what's it called Superconductor. Uh, no, it's called American Superconductor. Okay, so the ticker is ANSC, right? So this is so funny. Um, you see this, <laughs> this, uh, this, uh, uh, this stock price went up like 60% in a day. Um, uh, I think it's this, this has actually happened this past week. This is fairly recent. Okay. So basically went up close to, uh, 100% actually, um, in less than a week. And does this company have anything to do? <laughs> Have anything to do with the news? I don't think so. Okay. Does the company have anything to do with LK99? I don't think so. But it's just like a, when you have a catalyst that's so strong, like even like dogs and cats and un unrelated things that just tangentially related to whatever that is going on. Okay. In, in the, in the catalyst, because if, if, because provided that this is actually a very, very big catalyst, if it's true, right. If it, if it's true, it's, it's huge, right. It's going to be, it's, it's like a history defining kind of huge. <laughs> but as a result, this like a small cap company stock just went up like crazy. So that is kind of an example. Okay. It's like a most recent example that I can see to to make my point, which is if you want something to go up, I, I don't think in this case it's sustainable. Okay. The the stock price already dropped like uh 30, yeah, over 40% just in the last a couple, two, three days. But the thing is, it tells you the power of you know new technology innovations. It can really drive investor sentiment, right? So what what we need is really you. We had NFT, we had DeFi. Why why the crypto prices went up crazy? Because it's actually, you know, legitimately those innovations drove a lot of interest. Whether you, you can argue, okay, those are temporary. It's not gonna last for very long, but at least they show they show the people the potential of the space, right? At least they show people the potential of digital tokenization and what they can do and how much interest and eyeballs and consumer power they can generate, right? That that was like more than enough to get investors very, very excited, even if <laughs> even though it was just a, a very small scale thing, right? So, but what, what we really need are, are things like that, but ideally something that has legs that, has more of a staying power, right? So um, that's all for today. Again, not that much going on in the market. And since this channel is mostly, it was designed about Web3 and crypto. So at least for now, you know, I'm staying on topic. That's why, you know, I'm telling you, I haven't been publishing much episode because I just don't find all that much to talk about. But if <laughs> if there are other things that you're interested in and you think, hey, Tasha, it would be a good idea for you to cover such and such. Well, let me know. I'll think about it. Okay. I may um I may think about expanding the coverage of uh, of this podcast. Um, you know, at least uh, for 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 a period of time. Um, because right now, uh, you know, I'm definitely I'm there are other investment themes that I'm very interested in. Things like, you know, um, AI, but that was already passed. Okay, you're not gonna you 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 you're trying to catch on the AI wave. You're you're sort of like short term, very late now because everything is already extended. Okay, uh, we are probably going to have a correction in the equity market. It's already started. Okay, um. So right now, if you want to play AI, for the short term, it's very late. For the long term, you're not late, okay? But for the short term, it's very late. Um, but other things that I'm looking at, um, things that are um, 
potentially can draw a lot of investor imagination. Something are some things are evergreen, such as biotech. Okay, so for example, there there have been some breakthroughs in like weight loss drugs, um, in the past uh, in the past couple of years, but in the last year and this year also there are some additional breakthroughs and those kind of things, um, really get people fascinated because that there is a very ready and urgent demand for it, for that type of, type of uh, innovations, right? Um, and other things I'm um, looking at quantum computing that is also related to, you know, if this LK99 thing gets going, <laughs> um, again, I don't know if this, this is real or not, but if it has any type of like, any type of real implication that will get all the quantum computing um, seemed uh, investments going, at least uh, in the short term, okay? And other things like, for example, um, psychedelic therapies, um, which I think will be huge a few years down the line. Right now, um, they're still in the tough regulatory regulation space because those are classified as, uh, um, you know, schedule one drugs, which is like drugs that does, all harm and no good to humans, <laughs> which is absolutely not true. But the thing is, um, those can have very, um, those can 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 create a revolution. Uh, as far as I can see, it can create a revolution in the kind of you know anxiety depression therapy space, which is again in a country like the United States is has a huge demand for for those kind of things. Um, but that's that's a bit of early. Um, you know, please don't don't do not go buy those stocks just because I tangentially mentioning it. Okay. I think it's a bit too early right now. If you're talking about like a liquid market investment, if you're doing like early stage investment, then I have no idea. Okay. That <laughs> you're on your own. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so those, those are things that I'm looking into and studying more of aside from, you know, trying to keep track of, uh, of, of the web three space. So if there are other things, you know, probably related general like finance, macro investment related things that you want me to talk about. Definitely send me a message on Twitter or you can, you know, if you're on YouTube, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can post it on YouTube as well. Okay. Okay. That's all for today. I will talk to you next time.